Okay, I think we're going to get this started. This is the workshop on the tools of recovery. The meeting is one hour in length, and we will open with the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, my name is Charlene. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm also a relapse survivor. Hi, everyone. I'm also one of the leaders for this meeting, and um, this session is being taped and will not be edited. Please note that this session might be available online or on a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. Uh, we do have a volunteer for the timer. Thank you very much. Um, okay, leader shares. You can give me a signal when I have five minutes left. Great. Thank you. Um, again, I'm Charlene. I have been in the rooms since 1980. I just had my 38th anniversary in these rooms uh, back in September. And I am really thrilled to be here. Uh, quickly, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. I came into the rooms at the age of 35 and, and was just looking for another diet. That's all I did, was come in, listen to what people did to lose their weight. I um, began losing weight because I was doing it my way and just taking what I needed from what I heard in the rooms. So I did lose the 50 pounds at that time. I was 192 when I came into the rooms and I lost the 50 pounds and that was within a year. At that point, we moved from Florida back to New England. Uh, my husband retired from the service, and uh, I began a relapse that lasted for eight years, and that's why I qualify as a relapse survivor, because I'm here today to say I'm out of that relapse. Thank you, God. And um, I spent eight years in relapse. I if I did nothing else right in those eight years, I kept coming to the rooms. And I'm so grateful for the phone calls and the service that people that I met in the rooms did because that helped me tremendously. It's, um, I like to, and I've heard in the rooms that the program is kind of like the mafia. Once you're here, you're not gonna get out. You know, people will look for you. People will, even if they don't physically call you or text you or email you, you can be assured they think of you, you know, and uh, I was grateful for that. So I did come back. I stayed in the rooms, and it was in March of 1989 that I was gifted with a second recovery. I began uh, my second um, travel through this journey of Overeaters Anonymous. It was a wonderful, wonderful journey. I um, got a sponsor. I lost, in one year's time, I lost 90 pounds. And what I do want to say is in that eight years of relapse, I not only gained the 50 pounds I lost, I added another 40 to it. And I've heard in these rooms that, you know, if you're not happy in these rooms, we'll gladly refund your weight and your misery. And uh, so it was good for me to know that that's what I had to go through. That was my journey. So in 1989, I stopped eating compulsively again. I began using um, the tools, and within a year, I had lost the 90 pounds. 
and I am at a physically healthy body weight today and have been at that weight since uh, the fall of 89. So nine, 29 years ago, you know, that this happened. I um, am grateful to my higher power. He's the one that kept me in the rooms and the fellowship. So um, I'm here today because I qualify to be here. Weight is not the issue. You know, when I first came in and one of my first sponsors um, had a problem with anorexia and bulimia and I didn't have that issue and I couldn't understand that side of the coin until I heard her qualify and then I asked her to sponsor me. So I think being open and uh, willing to listen to what other people had to share and not just be and I'm speaking for myself, to look at someone that comes in the room and say, oh, they're so thin, what are they doing here? You know, it doesn't matter. If you're in a physical, healthy body weight or moving towards it, which is now always definition of abstinence. And, uh, you know, that's my idea of, of what recovery is for me today. So that's basically my story. Um, I do have... Uh, a pamphlet on the tools of recovery and before I speak on the actual topic of this meeting I wanted to just quickly read the intro to that pamphlet and I'm sure all of us in the rooms it's the purple one that we all see in our rooms and uh, we might think that's for the newcomer but believe me mine is worn you know and I look at it a lot and what it says is in working over Eaters anonymous 12-step program of recovery from compulsive overeating we have found that a number of tools are available to assist us. We use these tools, a plan of eating, sponsorship, meetings, the telephone, writing, literature, action plan, anonymity, and service on a regular basis to help us achieve and maintain abstinence and recover from our disease. In Overeaters Anonymous, the statement on abstinence and recovery is absten excuse me, Abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working toward or maintaining a healthy body weight. Spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery is the result of living the Overeaters Anonymous 12-step program. Many of us have found we cannot abstain from compulsive eating unless we use some or all of OA's nine tools of recovery. To <clears throat> to help us practice the 12 steps and 12 traditions. And that is what I have learned in, in the last many years is uh, this program for me has been my willingness to study and live the steps and the traditions, but I consider the tools of the program, and it's anything I say today is not original. I've heard it in a room, possibly one of you said it originally, I don't know, but um, to me, the tools are the handrail of the steps. You know, I've heard that in these rooms. Um, the way I can look at it, too, I, I have three grown sons, and two of them are carpenters and builders. And they go off today, every day, uh, to their jobs, and they go with their tool belt or their trailer full of tools, and, you know, they can't do their job without them. If they went without their hammer, they're not going to fix your roof or do whatever. So for me, I can't go through my day without using these tools. You know, these are in my tool belt. And 
I don't use every single tool every day. I do it to the best of my ability. And that phone weighs 500 pounds to me, too, even though, you know, I've been in program a long time. But um, just basically, I'll, I'll like to um, just say how I work each of the tools, perhaps. Uh, plan of eating, that is so important for me. For the last many, many years, I have chosen to eat just three weighed and measured meals a day with nothing in between. And I choose to refrain from flour and sugar, and that's just me. And um, in the early days, I used to write my food down and commit it to a sponsor. Today, I don't have to write it down anymore, but I'm beginning to think with memory at this age, I better start writing it again. <laughs> One of my little tools is take the apple out of the basket and put it right on the counter when, so that when you're ready to pick up that scale and weigh your salad for lunch, you know you committed the apple for lunch. And, uh, but I do commit it daily to a sponsor. I have an incredible sponsor that I speak to daily. And I can say in the last 26 years, I think we've known each other, that uh, there's probably only maybe 10 times that I didn't speak to her on a daily basis. And that's when, you know, she could be traveling overseas, I could be traveling somewhere. You know, we, we put our program first and we still communicate. So my plan of action is, uh, I'm sorry, plan of eating is that. And uh, when I go out to a restaurant, I don't weigh and measure my food. I make the best choices I can. I stay away from the foods that trigger my uh, compulsive eating behavior. And uh, so that's basically my, my plan of eating. And I did touch on sponsorship. I've had a few sponsors. I am a sponsor, and that is truly a blessing. I had the fear in the early days of, uh, oh, I'm not good enough to sponsor. You know, I haven't had enough recovery. I haven't lost all my weight. I don't know the steps and traditions inside out, you know, or the big book inside out. I'm, you know, and I heard someone say in a room that uh, all it takes to be a sponsor is for somebody to reach out and ask you for help. And, and that was awake, you know, that was like an awakening to me. And when somebody asked me, I, I said, okay, you know, we're going to learn this together. We're going to do this together. So I think that's basically, to me, what sponsorship is, is working with another, being accountable. Um, like I said, I do commit my food daily to my sponsor. Um, the next tool was meetings. I am committed to two meetings a week. I um, attend um, conventions. I get lots of meetings in. I... Um, um, I can go off on meetings on talking about service, too. But telephone, like I said, that telephone weighs 500 pounds for me. But a good way to get, get out of that is to do service of being maybe the, the phone coordinator or someone that needs to make phone calls as a part of a service position in your group or your intergroup. And, uh, you know, so the telephone, I love to get calls. But, boy, it's hard to pick up that phone to make calls. So... Um, you know, so we're all in that same category together, I believe. Um, the tool of writing. I'm not great at writing, but when I do write, it just flows on forever. And I have journals and, and notebooks and everything, you know, going. Because once I put that pen to paper, my feelings really open up. And, and I love a gratitude or a, uh, a thank you to God each day, you know. 
so writing's important. Literature, I read from two of the OA daily meditation books, and I do read some others as well. Um, the Four Today and the Voices of Recovery are just incredible daily readers. That uh, it's, it's ironic how every day when I read it, it's like it was written just for me. I can, you know, really see what, what, uh, what's in that reading for the day. Um, the other thing is action plan. I don't always, you know, have an action plan. I am busy, and uh, now that I'm re I've been retired about three years, so my action plan is getting up in the morning, getting on my knees, you know, fixing my breakfast, putting that on the scale, um, taking my phone calls, making my call. You know, that's my action plan for the day. And if I do that and, and get that in my pocket, I'm good to go for the day. So I don't need an action plan that's going to tell me I have to run five miles or, <laughs> you know, do anything like that. So um, my action plan is pretty, pretty basic. Um, the tool of anonymity is a blessing to me in this program. Uh, if it hadn't been for a co-worker back in 1980, when I asked her how she lost this incredible amount of weight she had lost, she opened up and told me about this program. I had never heard of it before then. So she broke her anonymity and carried the message, and that's what got me here. And I'm still here today. I honor anonymity, and uh, I like to say I can use my ages as, as an excuse now. And uh, if anybody did the math, I'm going to be 73 in December. And I can have moments of forgetfulness and have to say to someone, now what was the name of this, or who did, what did you tell me about that? And I just tell them in the morning, feel free to say whatever you need to say and let it go because it's, it's coming into my heart. It goes in one ear, down into my heart, and, and just stays there. It doesn't come out my mouth because, you know, 20 minutes later, I may have completely forgotten our conversation, <laughs> which is okay, too. You know, and uh, so anonymity is very important. You know, we can uh, we can repeat what we hear in a meeting as long as we don't attach a name or or uh, you know don't divulge anyone else's anonymity. That's up to them to do. And the tool of service. Oh my God, that is my favorite. You know, I wouldn't be here right now, standing here, unless I love to do service. I found that in my group meeting. Uh, I began putting out chairs like anyone else, and then taking the key to open the door, and then uh, just doing little things here and there. And in 1999, I believe it was, a friend at the meeting who had been going as our representative for intergroup said, come on along, come see what intergroup is about. We have so much fun. And that's all she wrote. I'm still with the intergroup. <laughs> so, and I love it. And I love it so much because uh, we try very hard to carry the message. And our, the other services that I do is to, first and foremost to myself, to remain abstinent. Because I wouldn't be able to be in this recovery if I didn't do that service. I um, have done service at my group level, my intergroup level, the region level, and also world level. And it has all been so rewarding so rewarding. I get back a hundred times more than what I could give. You know, giving an hour to stand here and speak, 
I couldn't do that 38 years ago when I came in the room. I sat in the back of the room and I didn't talk for months and months. I couldn't even look someone in the eye and say hello to them until I felt really comfortable. And today, this program has given me all the gifts just by doing service and remaining after. And it's given me all these gifts of, of learning how to do things, learning how to run a computer, to do a, an Excel spreadsheet, to uh, make a phone list, you know, to speak at a, at a meeting. And, and uh, whether I say anything lucid or not, I hope it's something that, you know, maybe just touched. And if you have um, anything at all to share on the tools that uh, I learn, from each and every person that shares. I really do, you know, hear something in every person's share. And I began in these rooms of thinking, while they were speaking, thinking of what I was going to say. And it, it took totally away from the whole point of what they were sharing. I wasn't doing service to them. And I learned that, you know, just sit, quiet your mind, listen to what everyone in the room has to say, and then share if you need to. You know, and that's kind of been my, my mantra. So um, I know my time is just about up, and uh, I don't think we have another speaker yet, or we do have someone that may like to come up and... She's not here. No, she's not here. I don't believe so. I don't even know who the name was, but in any case... <laughs> so um, if you'd like to introduce yourself and sure. then... Uh, Sorry, David. Okay. Hi, I'm Megan. Can you hear me? I'm Megan. Okay. I'm a compulsive overeater from Nova Scotia. Um, the person who was supposed to speak, um, we're not sure. I guess maybe they're running late. So um, I'm just going to do the best I can. Wasn't expecting Karen, our former trustee, just asked me in the hallway a couple minutes before the meeting starts. She looked at me and said, you have a year of abstinence? I'm like, pretty sure you know the answer to that. And so, <laughs> so here I am. Um, I came to program in 2012 at the age of 42. And uh, so I've been here for six years. I came in July and in October, got my abstinence of that year. So I've just celebrated, well, I haven't celebrated, but I just had six years um, on October 16th. And uh, when we get home on Thursday night at a regular meeting, is my birthday meeting. So I'm very excited about that coming up. For six years and uh, so I'm really happy to share about tools the reason I came to this um, was just coming to participate like you was because I'm interested in the topic and in our regular meeting we always um, in the part at the beginning where we share what the tools are our tradition is to ask does anyone want to share on the tools and it's quite often that I do so hopefully I have something useful to say today just re-familiarizing myself with the pamphlet while we're talking okay so um, yeah, I started out in program about 70 pounds heavier, so I feel um, lucky and grateful to be here, and I feel that program has changed my life. Um, and so I'll just I'll dig into the tools and we'll see what comes out, I guess. So for a plan of eating, uh, as a compulsive overeater, I feel a lot more comfortable when I have a plan. When I don't, I have to make decisions on the fly, and I'm that's not my strength. Um, so usually if that is the case, I will try to touch base with someone, usually by text, which is another one of our tools. That's what I call the telephone tool is I text a lot. So I'm much more comfortable when I have a plan of eating. And sometimes I have a plan for just the next week, you know, like I got the groceries today and I have enough for a week or sometimes 10 days or it changes all the time. But as long as I'm working on the plan, 
then I feel that's the right flexibility for, for my lifestyle to help me stay um, healthy. Um, so it does change quite a bit. Um, sponsorship. I resonated with what you were sharing earlier about not feeling up for it and not feeling good enough and stuff for probably over a year or two before um, my own sponsor just said, well, if you have one more day than the person that's asking for help or looking, you know, then you can sponsor, you have something to share, you have some experience, strength and hope. And it has been um, a wonderful relationship right now. I have two sponsees and one was the leader of my first meeting. And so, um, so happy to, to be of any assistance to her um, and her journey. And another is a lady who's been in program for 35 years. We just celebrated her 35th this summer. And when she asked me to be her sponsor, I thought, like, how could I, you know? But it's been a great relationship. I touched base with my sponsor, and she said, well, there's something in her, like her higher power is reaching out to, for some reason to want you to be together. And so I thought, well, I, obviously I can't say I wouldn't say no anyways, but I was kind of uncomfortable and intimidated, but we're just having a great time learning from each other, and that's just, just a beautiful thing. My own sponsor, um, I've never met. She lives in Poland. I met her through an online meeting, and it has been fabulous. Um, because we're six hours apart, it kind of really works very well. She emails me, actually, I don't know what the calculation is, but when I wake up in the morning, I have assigned readings, and I do that, and then I go through my day and so those things are in the back of my mind like today it was about self-parenting and I'm parenting this inner infant um, and then tonight I'll have another email with questions that are on that topic and I have like two to seven to eight questions um, and then I so that's my routine I that's part of my plan of action another tool so I write and respond to her at night and then when she gets up in the morning she sees my response and then she responds and she'll say She'll comment or she'll answer a question I asked or she'll um, share something that resonates with her as well. So that re works really well. Um, she also uses WhatsApp and sometimes she video records. And so I've seen her talk to me, which is beautiful. I'm not techie enough to understand how to do the same back, but I'll figure that out sometime soon, I hope. Um, for meetings, in Nova Scotia we don't have a lot of meetings, unfortunately. Um, but we have about one a week over the whole province. And it's kind of a big spread out province. I don't know if you remember, it's like a big shape of a seven with a thing up at the top too. And so, um, you know, it's about, I don't know, 10 hours from one end to the other. So in the capital area in Halifax where I live, we have Thursday night, Saturday morning, Sunday afternoon, and about an hour away, we have Monday and Tuesday nights too. So I can get to a couple. I usually get, Thursday night is two minutes from my house, I get there pretty well every Thursday, unless my kids have something or something to do with work. Um, and Saturdays I get there. Saturdays is a big book study. And I really like that because we read the big book together and um, share after every paragraph and go around the room, everybody gets a chance to share. And um, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to dig into like each, each each actual paragraph and listen to what my fellows have to say about them. It really helps me. Um, to reflect on my life and to reflect on um, how my disease was and how um, what how I am with my recovery and, and what I think about all of that. Um, so next, the next, the next is telephone in this booklet, and I call that texting. And um, we are very um, rich texters in Nova Scotia. I don't know about you guys, but we text a lot. Um, it's not at all uncommon for me to be 
in a meeting or um, at the grocery store or look down and just have a huge smile on my face because somebody's reached out to say, I hope you're having a good day. Or, you know, we just, we reach out to each other a lot. And I've been able to um, travel around a little bit with OA. I've, I've done a couple of service trips. I've been to Albany and I've been to World Service twice. And this is my first convention, so I'll make new friends here today, I hope. Oh, hi, I see a friend there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so, you know, right now, because in Canada, I don't have a U.S. texting plan, so I have a list of American OA friends that I've been texting since I got here. Um, even though, like, there one is, like, in Oregon, I'm not going to see her, but I'm like, I can text you now instead of just an email. It feels closer, and I really appreciate that. It's really, um, it's a fun part of my day. It's like a, almost like a secret friend, in a sense, in a, in a really good way. Um, literature. I mentioned literature a little bit earlier with regard to my sponsor. So she and I both have um, the daily readers and she will um, in other literature and she'll tell me what I'm going to read that day. And so I have always had a really soft spot for four today. I think maybe because it's kind of short and it's not a big commitment. And when I first got into program, that was the first thing that really the first piece of literature I really resonated with. I found the stories in the big book. I found them a little bit scary, to be honest, and sometimes it's hard to relate. When I was new, it was really hard to relate my disease to alcoholism, and so that's another reason I like the big book study that I go to on Saturday, because I'm not reading it by myself. Um, but even when we read the stories at the back of uh, the big book in, I think it's the second sun, second Thursday of our of the month, we always do big book stories, and I always joke and say, why did I come? Because I always get scared in these, when we read the stories, and my friends always remind me that all of the stories in the big book end happily. Um, so that that helps me get, and if we don't get through to the end of it, they'll, they'll remind me again later. Um, I... Uh, I'm hoping to start um, some kind of a book club actually in Nova Scotia, maybe one or two books a year. I don't really know. I should look in to see how much literature we have, but um, definitely starting with um, Beyond Our Wildest Dreams, which went on sale I think last year and I bought three or four copies and I kept one for myself and gave some out to my friends. And uh, I, I think I'm going to start a book club so we can meet maybe like in the winter when there's not a lot going on and you know we could all, even if it's just in my living room, to talk about the book. and. Um, Maybe that'll turn into a thing, we'll see. Um, action plan. My action plan has changed a lot. When I came into program, I was a miserable government worker in the provincial government of Nova Scotia, and um, program has um, given me the ability to see that that was so the wrong place for me. It kept getting more and more miserable, you know, like more and more obstacles of why I should be there. And finally, I realized I should not be there, and now I'm a grad student, and um, so my days are differently structured every single term. Right now I'm in my thesis year. I've got, done all of my um, coursework, thankfully. And so um, when I was doing my coursework, it was dependent on when I had to be in a class and how much reading I had to do or how much how many papers I had to write. And also like also I have children, teenagers, and <laughs> where they had to be. So when I worked my program into my life, it changed. So it changed every term. Right now, as a thesis um, student, I have no classes, I just have the odd meeting here and there, and um, it's all up to me. I have to do the thesis in order to graduate. And so I'm able to have a better routine. So I have that routine with my sponsor I mentioned earlier where we touch base in the morning and I touch base again with her in the evening. And um, what I choose to do for fitness is different depending on the term. So right now I can, I can just do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I have a dog, I have 
a good Nova Scotia girl. I have a Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever, which is a dog probably not a lot of people have heard of, but it's very similar to your Chesapeake, Chesapeake Bay retriever, but she's littler and redder, but just as much energy. She needs a good, well, I would say 3K of walk, but to you guys, I guess that'd be about a mile and a half. Any less than that, and she's just not worth living with. So we keep, I make sure she gets out for at least, um, at least three or four kilometers a day. So I guess one to two miles for you guys. Um, for those of you that are um, on the, uh, what's it called? Is it Imperial? Is that what it's the American? Met Mine is metric. What's the other one? American. American. There we go. That makes sense. Thanks. Um, so that's part of my action plan. And, and one of the reasons that we have a dog is so that we all get out and work and get out, not get out and work it out and, and spend time with her. Um, anonymity. I also believe that I would not have come to the first meeting. Um, and I don't think I would have stayed. You know, when you go to the first meeting, you think, I'll just be a fly on the wall, see what this is like. And it turns out the whole meeting's about you. Um, <laughs> and so um, I was really, you know, sort of in denial about that too in the first meeting. But uh, when I got in the room, there was nobody in the room that I recognized. Our meetings are actually quite small in Nova Scotia. And before I kind of got some sanity and program, every once in a while, I would think about people I know that um, I would, of course, decide if they should if they should be in the room because I was not yet quite sane. And then when I would think, oh, that person really should be going to meet, you know, then I think, oh my God, then they'd come to my meeting. I don't, you know, I don't want to see the people that stress me out in my meeting or the, or. Um, so I'm still quite anonymous within my meeting. Um, very few people in my family know my, my husband, my kids, but closer friends, um, people that I feel I can trust. Um, but now I'm of the mind of, if somebody I already knew, and whether I love them or not, whether we were close or not, whether we even liked each other or not, I'd be happy for them to find program. And I would give them anonymity and I would never, ever um, break that. It's uh, it takes a little bit of the scary out of trying to go for the first time or the first couple of times, I think. And service, well, I'm like the kind of person that um, I'm up for everything. If I've met you for more than five minutes and you say, hey, Megan, let's, I'm already saying yes before you even say where it is because I think you're awesome and I'll just do whatever. And I'm so happy to be involved and be considered part of anything. So I tried to go really, really slowly, but it kind of looks like one of those stock market charts. So one of those good ones, that goes like, like that. Um, I have an interest in writing, so I was newsletter editor for our uh, intergroup. And I really enjoyed that a lot, um, connecting with other people and trying to twist people's arms to write and stuff, and even just ask them for a, a quote that they love that I could put in and, and stuff like that. And um, two years ago, the person that was meant to go to world service um, had her vacation revoked at her workplace for whatever reason. And then the backup never really intended to go. And so they sort of reached out and said, to everyone in our um, intergroup, could somebody be our intergroup rep at World Service this year? And I kind of like looked at it and probably deleted the message the first time I saw it. And then the second time they said, we're still looking and, and you need to have two years of service at the intergroup level. And I wasn't sure I did as newsletter editor. And I, but at the time I had already quit my miserable job and was a full-time student. And I really, May is perfect. It's in between terms. And so I kind of said to my husband, I think I might offer this I'm not sure probably won't turn into anything you know and then we sent it off and sure enough they were like oh yes it's great we have somebody who can go and every once in a while my husband would say are you excited and I go no honey we don't do that we one day at a time we don't we don't get excited we don't think about the past we don't live in the future we don't he'd be oh I'm sorry I'm like, no. but so um also I was trying to like not be too excited I had not traveled on my own ever I'd either been a kid or been the parent I'd never traveled alone and um 
I, I got there and it was just a fabulous experience. The first evening session that I went to, a lady, and I wrote her name down, I think, in my notebook, but I can't think of it. And I can't think of where she was from, except you'll laugh. To me, she had an accent. I'm sure you guys hear an accent that I don't hear, um, a Nova Scotia accent that I'm not aware of. Um, and so I think she was from the South somewhere. And she said she was supposed to be sharing about literature. And when she offered the service, she went around to her meetings and her intergroup and all of her friends in OA and asked all the people that had serenity and, and um, years and years in, in program, you know, what do you do about literature? And all of them read all of the literature. All of them read the daily readers every day. They read all the time. So in her vernacular, she said um, she wants to stay in the middle of the herd. And that's a story I tell at my home meetings all the time. I want to stay in the middle of the herd. So that's why I'm on the convention um, committee this year. That's why I went to region. That's why I went back to world service again to work with these amazing people because I don't want to lose my abstinence. I don't want to lose my life. Um, my husband used to say he didn't think I'd make it to 50. I'll be 49 next month. <laughs> so, you know, we're proving, hoping to prove him wrong, right? Um, but the, uh, I went the first year and I just got hooked. And then last year I went to Albany for Region 6 and had a fabulous time, only two days. Um, I thought, then there was a storm in Quebec and I was there for five days, <laughs> stuck in the airport in Buffalo, um, couldn't get north, um, couldn't, couldn't do anything. I said to them at one point, because I was supposed to be flying home on Sunday, five days at home and then the next weekend I was going to world service. At one point I said to them, okay, I'm down here and I want to get over here to Nova Scotia. I said, can you fly me to the west to, to the west coast fly me over the storm i really want to get home to my family before i have to go again for another week and um they said oh you're serious i said yeah it still didn't work i, I still was there till tuesday night but um, i learned a lot about myself i learned to have some travel anxieties <laughs> um, and i learned how to overcome them and i learned that i can rely on myself and that i can um when i rely on myself i'm reaching out to my higher power and the first person that i connected with after everything sort of blew up with that trip when I was stuck um, was an OA member and she said well Meg this is the ultimate you have no control situation like how are you going to deal with it and that was great I needed her to say that to me to realize that it you know will be okay so I got home on Tuesday night and I left again on Saturday and went to world service again and had a wonderful time um, through all the first two big trips to uh, world service the first time and to Albany I hardly said a word I certainly didn't speak into a microphone. Um, this year in World Service, we were in, uh, what is that called? Is it uh, the reference committee, the reference subcommittee? Someone at the back of the room who's nodding at me through the whole time because she was sitting beside me. And they, it was the part where there was um, questions and answers. And I kind of had a question and I kind of went like this and she shoved my arm right up. Yeah, she remembers. And so um, Karen was at the mic, um, our Karen, and she said, is that Megan? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I asked my, my little question and I kind of got a little bit more comfortable speaking into a mic. I think that might have been the first time I ever spoke into a microphone. So that would make this the second time ever. So I hope you can, actually, I don't know if I hope you can hear me, to be honest. <laughs> um, but I, since then, I got home from that experience at World Service this year and I'm just so passionate about our program now. I came home with a million ideas and I just want to keep growing our program. We seem to lose people at the six to nine month mark and it breaks my heart and so I really want to try to find a way to keep you know being the candle that sort of tips over and lights the mm -hmm. the candle next to it and so that's my focus that's the reason that I'm still doing um, 
service here and, and trying to find ways to keep going to Albany twice a year and, and going to um, World Service every year if it's possible. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm now the chair of the Nova Scotia Intergroup, which kind of just happened and nobody else was volunteering. And, you know, when there's a silence in the room, at some point higher power breaks through. <laughs> and I will be chairing my first intergroup uh, meeting in two weeks and I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm also excited to um, just keep the keep it going. I just don't want to lose. New Brunswick is the province next to us and they lost their intergroup a couple of years ago and I just want to make sure that as much as is possible that I can um, not let that happen. So um, that's great. I just got a one minute marker. I was not looking at the timekeeper at all. I thought she was actually smiling at me. <laughs> she was being very supportive, didn't realize <laughs> those were notices. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful to be in program. I absolutely love the tools. When I came in, my, my meetings are Thursday nights, and I would go Thursday after Thursday, and I would they would read them off, and I'd go, I didn't do friggin' one of those. How do you How do you do them? Now they're completely embedded in my life. I couldn't go a day without doing at least half of them because they're just completely embedded in my life. And so I'm going to stay in the middle of the herd, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for stepping up and doing that service for us. Um, Let's see. Okay. Uh, This workshop will end at 5 p.m. We will now open the floor for three-minute pitches. The timer, the pretty lady in the blue, uh, will let you know when you have one minute left. If you'd like to share, please come to the front of the room and um, line up to speak and sign the um, consent form for the recording. Please step to the microphone and introduce yourself, tell where you're from and how long you've been in OA. We would like to remind OA members who are in other fellowships to speak only to your personal recovery in OA. Please stick to the topic of this meeting. For those who arrived late, the topic of this workshop is tools of recovery. The meeting is now open for sharing and we have about 22 minutes before we have to close. And if you're even thinking about sharing, if you could come up and step to this side of the room and sign, so we'll keep it moving. There's a lot of great sharing going to happen here. I can feel it. So thank you. Hi, I'm Sheila, compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody. I'm here from Boston, Massachusetts, and delighted to be here. And thank you so much for your share on the tools. I've been in program for 26 years, and I wouldn't be here today if I if I hadn't been presented with that tools pamphlet right off the bat because it was simple, it was easy, it was a daunting wasn't as daunting as somebody saying, "Here, go study the big book. You know, follow the 12 steps." learn the 12 traditions and call me in the morning. Instead it was here's a t- here's a tools pamphlet. Here's some, in it, you know, and then here's some food. Do these things and call me in the morning. Much more easy for me to gently be pushed into this program with a higher power behind me. Um, as was said, the handrails, those banisters are uh, that that you can walk along with with doing the tools open up the path for me to have been able to learn how to do the 12 steps to the best of my ability. And I am so grateful today for, for just, 
you know, understanding that you can write, you can read, you can do a, an action plan, you can plan your meals, because me being the pragmatist, a very, you know, trying to keep life simple, because I can complicate anything um, on, a, on a momentarily momentary basis. So just knowing that, that this is laid out, the routine, and I always say I'm a former school teacher, so the, my three R's of, of this program are my routine and repetition. That's what equals my recovery. And those tools are it, really, for me, because I do the same things every day. I get up and I get on my knees and, and, and I, I say my prayers and then I speak with sponsees and I do my phoning and I do I write my food plan down. So that's my, my commitment to my abstinence, writing it down. And it also covers another tool, which is my, my writing. And then I read from a couple of books every day and I write again in, in um, the margins of it. So, so I'm covering that. Um, I, ha I speak to sponsees, so I'm covering my sponsorship and then covering my phone. But, uh, you know, it's doing that. You know, I don't do them all perfectly. One thing, one wonderful thing I learned in this program is one of those slogans that we're all perfectly imperfect because, you know, I fail at, I fail at being perfect on a regular basis as well. Um, the tools mean so much to me, as I say, because they're the gateway of everything else that, that is part of my program. You know, I always feel uh, less than at not doing my 12 steps perfectly, but my tools will bring me back in and get me right in line and go, no, if I'm just doing this at least today, you know, that maybe I didn't do my step four right, or maybe I didn't make the right amends, or maybe I couldn't think of them then. But, but you know, just grasping that opens up, thank you, opens up the floodgates for everything else to happen. Thanks. I, my name is Edie. I'm a compulsive overreader, and been around been around for some 20 years or so. Um, I really love the tool of writing, and I like to talk about it because there are so many people I hear in the rooms that are afraid of writing, or feel like they don't write well, or they're worried about their punctuation, or their spelling, or that someone's going to read it for them you know, it's not going to be safe, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I was a writing teacher at one time, and there's no wrong way to write. So, for me, the tool of writing um, has helped me through trauma, has helped me through trying to recognize and identify certain feelings, because I didn't grow up with feelings being allowed to be expressed. There was a lot of anger in the house, but I wasn't allowed to express any of it. So I really was, you know, my feelings were really tamped down. And that was was really important for me to keep a journal and to write a little bit every day. And I had lots of therapy, and I wrote about my therapy session as soon as I got home from it. It was exhausting. But, you know, today I just pick up a pen, and I start writing, and I don't even know what's going to come out of that pen and I don't care. Whatever I begin to write is what needs to come out. And it can be joy, it can be anger, it can be frustration, any of the emotions. And sometimes I find that my emotions at particular times can be very conflicting 
and I just spent a week helping my sister. She had a traumatic physical injury, and she's got two kids and horses, and I have some disability issues, but I spent a week sleeping in the living room and helping her out, getting up at 5.30 in the morning, and feeding horses and helping the children get to and from school and cooking meals. And I, and I don't do that kind of activity at my house because I don't have that kind of energy. By the time I was done, I was so conflicted about my feelings, was, and I had no privacy or time to even examine any of that. So it was really tough. And I've been journaling several times since then, trying to figure out all of the different emotions things that got triggered from childhood, all kinds of stuff. And the tool of writing helps me sort and put things where they belong in the right emphasis, bring them to God as a prayer, and brings me peace, brings me objectivity, brings me to a point where I can plan on what actions to take or not take. And I just pick up the pen and I write, and I don't worry about what comes out. And so I recommend that to folks, even if you feel nervous about it, because the more you do it, the less you think about it, and the more you can get out of it. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, Martha, compulsive reader from Connecticut. Hi. Hi. I've been in program 14 years, and um, the tools are so such a huge part of my recovery. Uh, this program requires that I perpetually surrender. And I don't know how to do that on my own. It's not a mental process. Surrender is an action word. And the tools place me in this posture of surrender, of openness, of willingness uh, to be teachable, to ask for help, to reach out to others. I, I won't do that on my own. On my own, I'll sit on the couch in front of the TV and eat. That's what I, that would be my choice. And uh, in order to make these things my default response to life, I place them in my day on a regular basis. So I'm not just using them when I need them. I use them every day, period. And so they're woven into the fabric of my life, just like brushing my teeth, you know, the, my daily writing and committing my food and uh, writing on the uh, daily reader. I did it last night at 11 o'clock so that this morning I could just press the button and send it because I knew I wouldn't have time in the morning before I left, you know, to come here. So these are the things that I consider. How am I, my whole day is um, filled with how am I going to do the things I need to do and that includes the tools. It's on the list with every other thing that I have to do in my life. It's not added in. It's part of my life. Um, and I don't have a favorite tool because every single one of them brings me closer to you, closer to God, and closer to my own recovery. Thank you. Hi, I'm Barbie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Barbie. I've been in a program for 27 years, and um, I'm really a grateful recovering overeater. I um, 
I am up here because one of the ways that I do service is to claim my seat and I wanted I didn't want to leave this meeting without somebody speaking and so I asked God to tell me what to say and uh, God put into my head action plan because I think because that ties my whole program together that is what keeps me abstinent keeps me going to meetings keeps me um, doing the things that are on my action plan by the time action plan became a tool of OA I had sponsors who had embedded in me in fact my very first sponsor embedded in me a huge amount of my action plan and in the beginning it was about abstinence and my action plan is to know what I'm going to eat to know to get, go to the store and buy the food I need in order to eat what I'm going to eat and to plan ahead and um, now my planning ahead I'm working hard I often come home late from work and have to go to a meeting that night and um, I, I make sure I can have 20 minute meals hanging around so when I have time to cook I cook several meals at, at once and I put them in containers for the next meal. I, I actually cook for my husband and myself and uh, I just I know exactly what I'm going to eat all of my meals and I make sure that I have that and if I if I need something I go to the store my way home from work but I know when I'm heading for work that I need that item and I've got to pick it up and then um, the other parts of my action plan I do my exercises in the morning and I uh, do my prayers and um, I often don't want to do those things. And I found that um, if I ask God, I say, I, you know, by myself, I can't do this. One day I, I said, you've got to make me do it. So I got up and that morning and I, got, I went to my mat and I said, okay, God, you got me here, but you didn't, I don't want to do it. So you've got to make me want to do it, not just get me here. So I didn't do it that day because I didn't want to, but uh, the next morning God not only got me there but made me want to do it. And um, so I count on God to, to do that. I tell God all the time, you've got to do this for me because I can't do it for myself. And uh, so that that's part of my action plan and um, going to meetings is part of my action plan. I, I uh, Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and ending what I'm supposed to end. <laughs> Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Matthew, and I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm from New Haven, Connecticut, and um, this is my second convention. I was up in Toronto last year, and I really, really enjoyed it, and I'm really glad that I could be here. Um, I've been abstinent now for about 18 months, so I'm one of the newbies in the room, I guess. Um, but uh, for me, um, I hear action plan, and that's that's important to me because that that encapsulates a lot of the other tools that we do every, each and every day. And so, yeah, there's there's the plan of eating, and in my case, um, having done every diet that's out there, having read every book that's out there and all of those, and a, a lot of them are really good, don't get me wrong, but um, I got some help. I went out and found a coach, a life coach, and um, 
and he's really good. He's a, you know, he's a, a nutritionist. He is a, a, a personal trainer, and he's also an ordained minister. So every time I go and see him, I get a little bit of a homily, and it's very a spirit, very spiritual experience. And um, my um, plan of eating, it's four, four meals a day. Um, basically, it's designed to keep my blood sugar at a, at a certain stable level so I don't get hungry. And I eat, you know, and, uh, um, you know, as soon as I checked into my room, I ate my, my afternoon meal. Cause that's, and so I eat, I stay within the rails of, of the plan, and um, it's well laid out. I have lots of choices. Um, part of my plan of action is cooking for myself. I cook in bulk. I have a busy, active life, and, and so I have to take time and make food so that I can make it fast and make it quick and make it good. And um, just because I'm a compulsive overeater doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to enjoy food. So um, I make what my coach calls God's food. It's good and it's healthy, and, and um, I do what I have to do. I won't tell you specifics, but um, I have that in my life. I have my prayer and my meditation, which is an important part. Um, oftentimes, my exercise and my meditation is, is done simultaneously, and that's when I go for long walks. And when it's a really beautiful day, I love to do that. I love to go find a place with, with a real good steep hill, and I'll, I'll walk up the hill, and, and I'll do my meditation at that time. Um, I love it. I love it right when the snow has just stopped. When it's just stopped snowing and the cars, they're not out in the street. You go out and there's a stillness in the air and that's in the air. And I go out and I walk in that and that's when I can talk to God, really talk to him. And in our worst snowstorm last year, um, I, I broke out my, uh, my new snowshoes that I had sitting in a box for over a year. And it was probably about two degrees out and like, 10 below with the wind chill and I went out in it in my snowshoes and it was a wonderful wonderful experience um, these are things I do and I because I can do them I couldn't do them 18 months ago but with that um, I'll give the time back and thank you for letting me share thank you Matthew we do have time for one more My name's Al. Um, I'm from Hamden, Connecticut. Um, it's good to be here. I, um, I, I've been around the program since 1985, and um, I lived I lived with the spirit of the program, and it helped me get through a lot of a lot of issues. Um, I lost 160 some odd pounds, um, and I was um, self. You know, I, w I was just in the throes of my disease. It's the last um, 14 months that I've been having back-to-back -back abstinence. I got a sponsor, and I'm working the steps. It's something I never did. I, I lived in the spirit of the program, but now I'm taking the action. And it's amazing, because I never knew how to... I, I You know, I always thought it was about food. It's not. It's about my thinking. And... Um, and you know my spirit now is a relationship with a higher power. I clean house and I help others. That's the deal I I made, and I'm making every day. I use those tools. I get to the meetings. I I have a food plan. I have a sponsor. Um, 
I, I can't rest on my laurels. I read that big book like it's my Bible. I read this book and live this life like my life was at stake, and it sure is, because if I was going to go where I went, I don't think I would have been even standing here as we speak if it wasn't for the program. It's, uh, it's just amazing, because I never knew how to live life. I never knew what's right, what's wrong. But um, now, you know, taking inventories, and as my, my sponsor says, when I'm in trouble, I take the action. I never did that before. That's, that's the, the deal. Um, and, um, and, I, and I keep um, making calls, and, um, and if I have a, an issue, I, res I, I address it immediately. I don't let it hold out. It was all about emotions. Um, as I say again, I heard so many times, I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And it's, uh, it's like men, and Big Book says, who lost their legs, I'm not going to grow new ones. And it's an illusion that I'm like somebody, other people, I'm not. But if I work this program, it's, it's amazing. The, the, uh, the, um, the promises are unbelievable. Life becomes happy, joyous, and free. I turned my will over and I did the fourth step. And I follow my food plan every day and it works. And I try to stay close to my higher power. So at any rate, I am so grateful to be here and I'll keep coming. Thank you. Okay, I think we have just about three minutes left. That'll give us time to close. Um, one of the things that I read in my, um, I believe it was Voices of Recovery this morning, was a quote from the big book about you can't think yourself into right action. You have to act yourself into right thinking. And um, and I think that acting myself into right thinking is, is what helped me find another recovery. And um, I want to thank our other leader, Megan, and our timekeeper. And um, let's see. We'd like to thank everyone who attended this workshop. And if you did get a chance to share and forgot to sign the sheet, please do that before you leave. And we would um, close with the serenity prayer. Shall we join hands?